are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. long and This is a capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to Sci-Fi Diner Conversations. This is episode 55, the big five, five miles. It's a milestone. We're getting up there. Yep, getting gray hair. Well, you aren't. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Scott Herzog. I'm one of your hosts. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And he's one hunk of big boneless love. I have a face for radio. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> and the body for radio. Okay. Moving right along. Moving right along. We want to dedicate this episode to Mr. Michael Crate and Sornager from Denmark. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. You too can get your name mentioned on the show and support the podcast by scurrying over to the Sci-Fi Diner at scifidinerpodcast.com and throwing a few coins in the tip jar. And we would love to share whatever message you want as long as it's appropriate and about miles. And family-friendly. And family-friendly, yes. but especially about Miles. Okay, maybe not. But uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We we just had some – there's a lot to talk about. Lots happened. Um, Avengers. Avengers. Fringe. Right. Big Bang Theory. Once mm-hmm. Upon a Time. The list goes on. And we got voicemails and we got emails and Facebook posts and tons of stuff to talk about tonight. Well, this is the place to talk about it. And if you're not familiar with the listener feedback show – we're telling you what we're talking about up front here because when we talk about it, it's no hold bar. I mean, we, we basically tell we tell what's happening on the show. We spoil it. We promise that we will that, that there yes. are spoilers. Guarantee you'll find spoilers here. So if you are one of those people that haven't watched the show and you're not into spoilers, uh, you may want to come back to this episode if you hear. Might be a good idea. Yeah, great idea. We really want you here, but. Um, well, let's start out with a listener uh, voicemail. This guy's a new listener, Floyd Salazar. I love that last name, Salazar. That is a cool last name. So he sent in a voicemail. Let me share a little bit um, what he what he had to comment on in his voicemail. So thank you, Floyd, for listening and for sending in this voicemail. Hi, this is Floyd from uh, Colorado Calling. This is a message for the judge from the Sci-Fi Diner. Um, I'm a new listener, first-time caller, obviously. Um, I just wanted to respond to an episode I just listened to. I'm a little bit behind. This is the uh, April 18th episode. You guys were chatting about uh, your experience with Deep Space Nine. Um, I know for um, one of you, you just started. My wife is a, a recent uh, Trek fan, and uh, having just finished TNG, I don't know, probably three or four months ago, um, I got her on Deep Space Nine. Um, she quit. I shouldn't say quit. She started the pilot, and when you're about mm, half an hour in, there's the scene where Cisco first has the flashback to it, meeting Jennifer, his his whaler, on uh, on the beach, and he does that uh, Michael Jackson yow thing, and uh, she just hit stop and didn't get back to for about three months. I think the thing that's important to note about Deep Space Nine 
is it, it was the first show really in the Trek, you know, actually, I shouldn't say this, but the first show in the, in the Trek continuum where um, it was about people. If you think about TNG, it's really, it's every, every episode is, is an exercise in, uh, in empirical science. You know, these characters uh, cruising through the galaxy come upon, come upon a problem they pool their collective talents to gather data. They formulate an hypothesis. They test it. Uh, they refine their process, and they prove or just prove their theory. And, and in doing so, solves the problem of the week, whatever that is. Um, Deep Space Nine was the first time Trek went to the to the place of um, this isn't about this isn't about the problems that we encounter, but it's about the, the people and how they live with the consequences of um, of uh, all the various decisions they make, you know, living in this tiny little frontier town um, in the old west of outer space. Uh, and I thought it was a really big step forward for them. And if you can just give it, you know, the first season, um, even though it is pretty episodic up until about the end of season two, um, the stories are about the characters. They're about the people. Um, it's uh, I won't say it's, it makes Trek more sophisticated, but it just it takes it in a different direction. Um, whereas, you know, TNG is very utopian. Deep Space Nine is very. It, it just feels more real because, you know, it's about a, a single dad who's trying to raise his family, and it's about two two teenage boys, you know, from different sides of town that uh, are, are trying to navigate not only their adolescence but their the, their friendship. Um, it's about a guy who's dragged his his wife and his child, you know, to the furthest edge of the frontier, away from her career, and and him trying to not just be good at his job, but but be a father and um, and and deal with the dynamics of of how his choices are affecting his marriage. Um, so it's worth it. It's worth the trip. I'm anxious to hear what you guys say about the finale. Anyway. Um, all right, that's it. Sorry to ramble. Uh, I'm very much enjoying the podcast. Uh, it's always nice to find you a uh, degree. And, uh, all right, I'll keep listening. You guys have a good one. Bye-bye. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Floyd, for being a new listener and for uh, your compliments on the podcast. Yeah, Floyd, we're very delighted to have you at the diner, and uh, you're always welcome. So if you ever want a coffee in the house... Just let us know. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Um, let's talk about DS9. I actually am glad he's bringing this up because I'm still working my way through DS9. Mm-hmm. Episode 16, I believe I hit in season two this morning. Mm-hmm. Just watched the episode where uh, – who's the changeling again? I can't remember. Oh, it's name. Odo. Yeah, okay, Odo. Thank you. I'm tired tonight. But Odo, right? Um, and they, 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 they beam down – him and Dax beam down to this planet that is an Omicron particle and discover this entire town where people are going missing and ends up being a whole holographic representation. Right. And this one guy's uh, – talk about an episode that reminded me of uh, the episode with Data about being a man. Mm-hmm. What was that called? The Making of a Man? I forget. Oh, there's man. a name for it. I forget. I'm losing all sorts of geek cred. This mm-hmm. shows you my non. Like there, there's people listening that are shouting at me. It's this episode. I don't mm-hmm. remember it, but but it reminded me very much of that. You know, because what defines real? Mm-hmm. Are these people real? And are they any less real just because they're holograms? Something that they play with with the EMH and uh, Voyager, obviously. Yeah, this this episode does ask a lot of interesting questions about 
like you said, I mean, what what makes a real person? Yeah. I like this analysis of TNG being kind of that science focus and the question and very utopian. It, yeah. it has that feel as he talks about it. Most of the time, TNG was, like he said, the, the, solving the problem of the week. And although it had interesting characters, it was not strictly a character-driven show. Sometimes no. they sometimes they did. I mean, sometimes they did explore their characters more. But he's right. I mean, D Space Nine went went further with you know digging deeper into who the, who these people were. I loved his run through the characters. Mm-hmm. Like here's two teenage boys from different sides of the tracks trying to find their way. A single father, a, mm-hmm. a man that struck his family across the universe to kind of work at the station, and mm-hmm. uh, you know a. It's not a Cardassian, a uh, Bajoran that's trying to deal with the the occupation of the station, and yet you know, the Cardassians and the interactions with them, mm-hmm. and and then you have Dax who's living like like seven lifetimes. There's a lot, and then you have the Ferengi on there who no one ever trusts, yet play an integral role, and mm-hmm. you just there's so many interesting characters, and not that every episode hooks me, but. But this episode, I really enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. There was one on, um, oh my gosh, there was one on adoption. Uh, oh, okay. The adoption of the... Um, Where the Bajoran had yeah, adopted were, a, a Cardassian child. Yeah, and, uh, man, it, it hit home for me because, you know, we have an adoptive daughter and, mm-hmm. and I connect to that and the fact that this, and the whole dilemma in that. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I would agree, Floyd, that there's a lot of interesting stories. Still feels very episodic to me at this point. And he's saying, wait till the end of season two. And so I only have a few more episodes mm-hmm. to go. I'll be – next time we talk here, Miles, I'll be into season three at least. Yeah, I, he, yeah Floyd hit a good good note there that it, D Space Nine does explore the, the human condition much more in that series. I will say he mentioned that his wife quit at episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh Episode one didn't do much for me. It has some interesting ideas with the prophecies and all that, but it was kind of very ethereal and almost uh, spiritual in a sense. It was very a very distinct departure for Trek. And right. really not, it's really not indicative of the entire series of DS9. Yeah, you might have to you know force yourself a little to get through it. I mean, I, I, I still enjoy it. I could watch it, but... Yeah, you just like the Michael Jackson yow. <laughs> Never picked up on that before, but that's an interesting observation. Oh, yeah, and he's right on. When he said it, you're like, oh, yes. Yes. I know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks, Floyd, for calling in again. I'm glad to have you on board, and by all means, we'd love to have you uh, share any any other thoughts you have in Deep Space Nine or any of those shows that you're watching. And uh, while we aren't exclusively Star Trek, we do love our Star Trek, that's for sure. That is true. Yeah, well, we also had call in Rick from Wisconsin. So let me go ahead and play his voicemail. You've heard of Rick in the show before. So, Rick, thank you so much for joining us tonight at the diner and sharing us your thoughts. Hey, this is Rick from Wisconsin calling for the Sci Fi Diner conversations and calling about uh, movies, uh, specifically The Avengers. Uh, went and saw it in 3D on opening day and was just blown away. I think it's been. A long time since I saw a movie I enjoyed as much. It's been a long time since I saw a movie that I wanted to go see a second time in the theater, uh, which is what I want to do with this one. And uh, would say the the acting was great, the humor, the comedy that ran was great, the special effects were incredible. Um, as someone who was a comic book collector and reader. Uh, in my teen years and early adult years, I 
thought to myself, you know, these this is the kind of movie I wish they could make when I was younger that they just couldn't have done. But with modern technology, with CGI and everything, they can now actually do justice to taking a book story. And uh, for anyone who's familiar with comics, to me this movie is the supersized annual uh, edition with the 11 by 14 inch pages. You know, just it, it was just great. And uh, so many... So many parts were just classic. I thought it was great and interesting how they some actors that are actually bigger names, better known for starring roles in other parts, but actually smaller, uh, more minor parts in this movie. I don't know if you picked them out, but uh, Powers Booth was in there. He's done some, some sci-fi shows. And uh, Harry Dean Stanton, who's a pretty big uh, named. He's done a lot of movies over the years. Uh, he was the guy that, that saw the Hulk when he crashed to Earth. And the uh, other woman that was on the council that uh, Nick Fury talking to was Jenny Agutter, I think is how you pronounce the name. She was the woman that was in the movie Logan's Run. And I don't remember her being in much else. I know I saw her in something, but uh, she hasn't done a lot over the years. But uh, to me, I thought it was kind of cool seeing her name in the credits and realizing, because I, I didn't even recognize her, uh, but I didn't know the name. So I thought that was great. And uh, another reason I know the movie was that good was that I was completely immersed in the film almost entirely. At, at the end, with the battle with the invading creatures, there was a moment of detachment. Uh, where all the cars were askew in the streets, and I thought, well, that's kind of stupid. You know, that's not really how New York uh, people park their cars just because there's a beast attacking them because they would simply abandon them in pretty, I mean, somewhat orderly rows where they're sitting and run. They don't they don't all park every car cockeyed just because they see some alien. So, I mean, that's a really, really minor thing. You know, there's a lot of movies where detach myself from the film throughout to, to notice things that are maybe a nitpicky uh, item. But the fact that there was almost nothing in this film that I didn't think was perfectly done, uh, I, I'm really still enthused about the movie, and it's been three days since I saw it. So uh, you definitely got to see it if you haven't already. All right. Thanks. Bye. Well, Rick, thank you so much for calling in and giving us your thoughts on Avengers. And yes, Miles, you and I mm-hmm. went and saw it second day, third day, I guess you consider Thursday midnight a day. But mm-hmm. so second day, Saturday night, we went and saw it IMAX in 3D. And I don't know, I wasn't real thrilled about playing the 3D initially, but it was pretty darn good. I, I, I usually don't have much use for 3D, but I actually thought that, you know, this definitely enhanced the experience. Um, I wouldn't need, necessarily need to see it in 3D again. No. But um, I'm glad I saw it in 3D at least the first time. I'm definitely going to be renting it when it comes out. Well, my wife and I are actually talking about seeing it again in theaters. Maybe. Ooh, well, there you go. <laughs> but we'll, we'll catch you on a matinee and on, and on a regular format. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it, talk about a, a film. He talks about Avengers. He has high praise for it. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned some of those bigger names. Like, I didn't pick up those guys. I thought the actor that he mentioned when the Hulk crashed to, I don't know what that building was, a museum or something, 
Looks yeah, Harry, Harry Dean Stanton. He, I, I, I've seen that guy in something. I'm just not sure what. So Rick has got a good memory as yeah, far as Stan Lee. You couldn't miss. Oh, Stan Lee, he can't miss. No, <laughs> yeah, I no. Um, I, the, the lady that was by Nick Fury all night. Mm-hmm. Um, we were theorizing who that was, and you know, I said, you know, maybe this is the Wasp. Mm-hmm. You know, or the my son calls her the Pixie, but <laughs> uh, but the Wasp maybe is in there, and uh, we don't have Ant Man yet. He was also part of that whole Avengers circle, right? Right. So uh, we have some people that people that could crop up in the next movie, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, I, I enjoyed the Avengers. Uh, it, it you know it hit all the right marks. Um, it was it was fantastic. Yeah. Now he had a problem a little bit with the cars. I didn't even notice the cars. I didn't notice the cars either. I'm just you know I'm, mm-hmm. I'll have to try to look at that. If that is the biggest complaint Rick has, it's a good movie. You know because yeah. he said that even that he, he even admitted this kind of nitpicking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so thank you, Rick, for calling in and letting us talk about Avengers. We were going to talk about it anyways, and you just gave us the catalyst to do it. And mm-hmm. we're glad that you enjoyed it. Listeners, if you have also seen uh, Avengers and want to chime in on some of your favorite moments from Avengers uh, and, and how excited you are, or maybe anything you didn't like about Avengers, call us at 1 888 508 4343, and we'll play your voicemail on the show. So very cool. Our next voicemail comes in from Colin. And I just wanted to point out this voicemail has been a long time coming. Colin's tried to get to get us this in various points in the, along the way. Uh, and he, he's reviewing Hunger Games, which, Miles, I know you have not seen, and um, Avengers. So let's hear what he has to say. Hello, Scott and Miles. It's Colin from England. How the devil are you? Well... I thought I'd send a review to two films. First of all, being Hunger Games, which I know has been out for a while, but, you know, I've been busy. <laughs> now, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if I'm a reference from the book point of view, but I did like the film. I thought it was a bit overlong in certain sections. I think the love interest could have been toned down and maybe lost about 15 minutes off the film. Sometimes when, you know, not knowing what the book's like, maybe the director was trying to get elements of the book into the film. So I dare say more people will have a better opinion on that than me. Um, I know a lot of people got upset about the, the kids fighting kids and being killed and stuff. But the only time you actually seen children being killed, it wasn't, how to put it, brutal. Yes, it's not present seeing a child being killed. But, spoiler alert, one of them gets killed by an arrow, so it's not like the hack to death. Um, the one's killed by basically a knife being thrown, so again, it's not like a horror film with its blood spurting everywhere. And obviously the most controversial one is one at the end, which I won't say because, you know, it's the end of the film and you don't really want to spoil too much. But... Overall, I thought Hunger Games was a good film. Like I said, they could have lost about 15 minutes off it with the love interest, but, you know, like, I think it was a good film. Donald Pleasance was his usual brilliant self, even if it was a minor part. And the actors that they got to play, all the children, were really good child actors. Sometimes you get child actors and they basically can't act. But these were all very good actors. So, moving on. Thursday, uh, on the day it opened, I seen Avengers. And I just have to say that there is spoilers ahead because you can't really comment on a film without giving some things away. But that said, it was brilliant. They had comedy elements. 
there was some brilliant one-liners. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was absolutely brilliant. Um, some down points that some people found lacking was, I mean, you know, it's unusual in British cinemas to hear people commenting out loud. That's all I'd like to say. But on this one, there was people was laughing out loud at all the, all the bits that you're supposed to laugh at because there was some really good bits. Some people complained um, when the aircraft carrier takes off into the air and I actually heard someone a few rows from me go, yeah, as if. You know, it's a film. It's not real. You're supposed to suspend your imagination. Um, not your imagination. You're supposed to suspend your mind slightly and let your imagination take over. Personally, I thought the way the aircraft carrier took off and went into the air was brilliant. Totally believable. Um, I can't really find anything majorly wrong with it. Um, the actors were all on fine form. Loki was menacing with, in subtle ways, not overly menacing, like a good villain should be. It's not so much what they do, it's how they do it and what they say. Um, Iron Man gets yet another costume, the Mark Seven, uh, which is... Towards near the near the the end of the film, the end battle was suitably believable. Um, Hulk smash was basically that's what he did. Thor was brilliant. Um, I don't think the Scarlet Widow, I say, would be the leak. Um, not the leak, the weak, um, and Hawkeye. You know, the one bloke says, um, when I've seen a review after I've seen the film, the one bloke says, at one point, the major battle at the end in New York when they're smashing Manhattan to pieces, and I mean literally smashing Manhattan to pieces, uh, oh, he stood on the edge of the film, on the edge of a building and fired arrows. Yeah, he's Hawkeye. That's what he does. He stands on the edge of something and fires arrows. Hence the bow and arrow. It's not rocket science. But they are the two weakest characters for obvious reasons, because... Iron Man's got his cool armour, Thor's basically a demigod, Loki's a demigod, um, Captain America's got his super enhanced powers, and he does come over well as the leader of the bunch, there's a bit in towards the end of the film where he basically marshals them all together and says, you do this, you do this, you do this. Um, Shield HQ was great, I, I can't really find anything wrong with the film, to be honest. <laughs> It's an action thriller. It's not an action thriller. It's an action ride. So go along for the ride. That's what it's there for. It's the Avengers. Go in. Suspend your imagination. Don't worry too much about the science. Enjoy the ride. Hunger Games out of five, I'd give it three and a half. Avengers out of five, I'd give it four. So there you go. So when it comes over there... And those of you that are in about going to the cinema to pay whatever it is over there, $15, whatever it is, pay it. Enjoy it. Anyway, waffled on enough. So take care, guys. Live long on podcasts, and I'll speak to you soon. So let me comment, first of all, Colin, on Avengers. I mean on, excuse me, Hunger Games. Miles, no, you haven't seen it. Um, and, Colin, thank you for sending this in, by the way. A 3.5 out of 5 
uh, that's probably what I would have given Hunger Games myself. I actually just saw it this past weekend. So even though it's been out since March, hey, I'm right with you there. I am not seeing it till actually just literally this past weekend, Mother's Day weekend. My wife wanted to go out and see Hunger Games. So we didn't have the kids and we saw Hunger Games and was certainly entertaining. Um, don't have any problems with it from the entertainment value. I agree it was slow at points. And psh, I don't have a problem with kids killing kids. Uh, maybe that makes me a sadist or, I don't know, a terrible father. But but it really worked for me. And I guess maybe I had the premise of having read the book of The Hunger Games and absolutely loved the book. Um, in fact, because I read the book, I was disappointed with the movie. I, I'm going to be honest. It's one of these moments where I had a little bit of disappointment because I loved the book so much that the movie disappointed at parts. And um, I don't know how else to say it. It, it, did, it did feel slow at pieces. Um, I thought the actors weren't terrible. I liked it. And uh, Katniss, I thought, captured the essence of Katniss. Uh, but I felt stuff was a bit underdeveloped. Uh, not that I wanted a longer movie, but just overall felt a bit underdeveloped. So, and I agree, some great child actors as far as the actors go. Avengers, um, as you've been as you've been hearing, Miles and I have been talking about Avengers here, and and Avengers really was good. I'm surprised, Colin, you did not give it a five out of five because this movie uh, was solid in almost every way. I agree that the weakest Avengers, of course, are Black Widow and Hawkeye, and they're also the only ones, of course, not given their own individual movies. So uh, maybe there was – and there's a reason probably for that, even though I know Scarlett Johansson said, hey, it'd be nice to have a Black Widow movie. I doubt it. Uh, in fact, I found Hawkeye more interesting probably because I don't know much about him and the fact that he was able to do what he did with those arrows and had those really cool, fantastic arrows was pretty awesome. I just wonder when they're going to bring Ant-Man and the Wasp. Or, uh, you know, my son calls her the pixie back or into it. So we'll see. And the aircraft carrier takeoff, totally believable for me. I mean, not in a real sense, but it was just awesome. Awesome to look at that. Um, didn't pick up in the Mark 7 Iron Man suit, but that is pretty cool. I, I, are you talking about the one they throw off the building? Or are you talking about the one that they uh, that he puts on, steps out of as he goes on, lands on his platform and, and does that little thing when Loki's sitting in his house? I mean, I don't know. Um, not that familiar. Didn't actually pay attention too much to Iron Man's uh, outfit because his wit just kind of stole the show for me. Um, but yeah, come on. You can't argue with a movie, Miles, that, that does a billion dollars in uh, revenue. That's for sure. Uh, did you have any what – were, what, for, what for you some of your favorite moments in Avengers? Oh, there's, there's – So many. There's a <laughs> lot. I, I, there, the, um I'm just gonna pick a couple little ones. Um, I like when um, when uh, Banner just before, just before he's gonna turn to the Hulk, you know, um, don't you? They they say something to him. Uh, don't you have to get angry or something? He goes, oh, I'm always angry. I just I just uh, says something. He says some effect. Uh, I just you know keep it bottled up or I, I right, suppress right. It or whatever. He knows how to control it because I'm always angry. Yeah. yeah, he just you know, and but, then then he ter- he becomes the Hulk. Right. Uh, I, I like when the Hulk and uh, Thor walked together. I, I don't know if it's a church. They just finished a fight. They I just think. finished a fight. They're walking. You look like, hey, they're, they're, they're buds. And Hulk, just for the heck of it, just punches him. Pun- <laughs> pun- you know, pun- punches Thor across the room. Classic it's a, moment when that, that happens. That, that's the Hulk, though. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. has some of the best lines. And when he's in the lab and he's poking Bruce Banner to see if he can get him angry. Yeah. Classic. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the the battle between Robert Downey Jr. and Thor and Captain America is just watching and kind of refereeing there in the woods. That was that was great too. A fantastic scene. Uh, I liked when uh, Thor first time confronts Loki and um, uh, he goes, "You better listen to me." And then I think I don't know if it's you know Iron Iron Man grabs him or something like that, and Loki looks off and just goes, "I'm listening." You know, it's just you know good good timing, just good <laughs> good funny scene there. Uh, Loki, phenomenal visit, villain. The guy that plays him does an incredible job as a villain. I'm glad oh, we're going to see him back in Thor too. Yeah, he he was really good. Uh, I like the scene where him and Hulk are in, in, and um, I, th- I think it's at Tony Stark's house, and he, and 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 Loki just says, "I am a god. You, you brute. You know, you need to." And then the Hulk just grabs his cape and just this is like a wet rag. He's kind of flopping him around back and things. forth a few times, and Loki's face is all bloodied up, and you know, just to, uh, I, I just. This, the, the, like I said, this movie is phenomenal. So, some great dialogue. I love the whole dialogue you use. You know, he's my brother. You want me to talk to him? And he goes, well, he killed this man. Tony Stark's like, well, he killed this amount of people. And he goes, well, he's, he's adopted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he, they got flack for that a little bit. There were people – there's an adopted group that's having a problem with the fact he's kind of slandering adopted people. Oh, that's ridiculous. I know. It came across the wire. I didn't really read the story. I just saw the headline come through. I was like, yeah. Just, you know, someone's going to complain like, oh, mm-hmm. You're being terrible toward aliens. I don't know. Yeah. You know? But some some great lines in there, mm-hmm. some great scenes. Um, I, you know, Tony Stark carries a film with the one-liners, but I love when they're in the city and Captain America takes charge. Yeah. He goes, you do this, you do this, and Hulk, go smash things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just, there were just so many good moments in that movie. I'm sitting here talking about it. I want to go see it again. Yeah, this movie. I mean, as far as rewatchability, it it has it in spades. Yeah, and I am and I am not because I just don't have the time. But yeah, you know, maybe at Balticon when we get out at midnight, we can go see a midnight showing. That's a possibility. <laughs> get up dragging the next day. I don't know. Um, but uh, what else? Do I say? Uh, Joss Whedon's got to be proud. I mean, this. Uh, I, it, it is put <laughs> finally. Joss Whedon has a not only a well written movie. Mm-hmm. With his signature all over it with the lines and the humor, mm-hmm. but a successful movie. Yeah, he's getting he, his due, which he is, is which he, is much I mean, overdue. Yeah. Much you know, Buffy, sure, that was successful. Mm-hmm. Angel did well, but you have Firefly, Dollhouse and things that just seemed to have flopped one they after had, the other. They had critical acclaim, but they didn't have the you know Right. Same um, with Doctor Horrible, mm-hmm. which Obviously, wasn't a huge moneymaker for him because it was released for free. But but that that got what an, that got an Oscar though, right? I mean, I, I don't know what it got. It, it, you know, it's it, it's a it's, it's and we're getting a sequel apparently. Sometime. It's an award. It won an award, so I mean, um, but no, this movie is is helping him get his due, which yeah, is which I'm absolutely. Happy about. So yeah, I loved it. It's great, and I'm I'm really I'm really happy about it. So oh yeah, it's it's, it's a good feel good movie, folks. If you haven't seen it yet, so. yeah. Well. Um, we had our listener, a listener who's kind of a new listener, been listening for the past couple months, I think, maybe longer. I could be wrong, Lee. But Lee wrote in and said, I love all the Trek info. It's good to hear that the true Spock will be back in the film. Hope you guys have a great time at the con. Can't wait to hear what kind of goodies you guys come up with. Enjoy yourselves, as always. Peace and long life. And that was Lee. Now, we did get news this week that Nimoy was a little bit more ambivalent about whether he's in the new Trek. Yeah, it's, it's not chiseled in stone whether he's going to be in it or not. Well, it's- come on. I think they wrap principal photography. Mm-hmm. They know he's in. It's mm-hmm. just whether he's telling us. He's like, after they kept such a best-kept secret in Fringe, you aren't going to try ruining Trek. I don't mm-hmm. know. He's in it. 
Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we'll see him in yeah. it. I mean, if he, if, if I mean, he was. When we, I mean, we're not talking Fringe yet, but he was he was featured quite prominently in this last episode of Fringe. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Lee went on to say, hi, guys. Listen to your podcast. It was great as usual. I would like to comment on what was said about the Star Trek concerning the captain's roundtable, not for a better word. I've heard over the years why each individual loves this or that show. And I must say the one that I that, that I love the most gets bashed the most, more more than others, and that's Voyager. Lee, I'm on your side. I'm actually a huge fan of Voyager. Oh, me too. For two reasons. I'm just kidding. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> for for seven of nine. Just kidding. Uh, I, there was a lot I loved about Voyager, right? And so I, I'm with you here. He goes, I found Voyager was a true adventure more so than the other shows except for the uh, for the origin, I guess it was. This may show my age, but I do – or maybe for the original series. This may show my age, but I remember when the original series was on the air as a kid and afterwards all the reruns. It always gave me the feeling of exploring an adventure just like Voyager has done for me. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the other shows as well. But these two were, for me, conveying these types of feelings, the spirit of adventure he's trying to capture mm-hmm. here. And I kind of agree with him here. Yeah. I mean, Voyager definitely has that spirit of let's get back home and what's our journey like home, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, sometimes it seemed to lose that. But overall, kept to it through the seven season. Mm-hmm. So now I have all been trying to watch all the shows you guys talk about, but it's come down to making some choices and my time is limited, just like you guys. I've given up in touch. So have I, by the way. Miles, you're still watching Touch? Um, I, I'm, kind of, I'm a few episodes behind. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's really grabbed me as I thought it did. Yeah, we know. It got renewed for a season two. So it's grabbed a lot of other people. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he goes, uh, but it seems to be missing something and can't put my finger on it, but just not holding my interest. I like Awake better, but it's a little sad that this may be the only season for it, I'm not, and I've been able to keep up with all the episodes. Grim, Once Upon a Time, Supernatural, and Cannot Forget Fringe, my favorite sci-fi show at this time. I'm watching all these shows. There's one more I would like to add, and that's Game of Thrones. If you guys are what. If you guys are not watching this, you should. And yes, it's fantasy, but it's the best fantasy show to ever hit the small screen. I think you guys would love it. One other show I would like to put on my list, and that's The Walking Dead. The season's been over for a while, but I must group this in with the others as some of the best TV out there. And Lee, Miles, and I, hands down, would agree with you. Walking Dead is one of the best TV shows out there. Uh, yes, wholeheartedly. Yeah. And Game of Thrones, Miles, you haven't watched it. Well, let me – I've watched the first two episodes. Okay. So the first season, mm-hmm. really well produced. So I was very impressed with what I've seen so far. Yes. I'm going to just get the discs off Netflix. Right. Yeah. So uh, if you can get past some of the nudity, because there's certainly that, it's HBO, but it's really well done series. Yeah. Very uh, – it got me sucked in as far as what's going on with these you're going to love it. You're going to love it, series. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till season two is released on, on iTunes. Uh, Lee, I don't subscribe to HBO. So I don't – and we don't have live TV here. So I rent all my stuff from iTunes or Netflix like Miles does. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I am not up to season two. So – but I did really enjoy season one and I read books one, two, and three. I book four in the queue um, after I get through uh, Nathan Lowell's um, The Tales of the Solar Clipper. A series. Um, he has six books out in audio uh, on podcast format, and I've read through five of them already in a month. So, <laughs> uh, so I will get back to Game of Thrones. But did I agree with him on Touch? Touch didn't really grab me, and it seems to have lost your interest a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna keep watching or not. Um, yeah. yeah, not watching Awake. Um, and Graham, I watched the first episode, liked it, didn't have time to watch it. But Once Upon a Time, Miles, I'm caught up. Mm-hmm. 
We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I'm, I do like Once Upon a Time, and especially the finale was awesome. Yeah, for those, for those listeners who are watching Awake, unfortunately, that didn't get renewed. Yeah, that did not. And um, and also, he mentions Fringe. We're going to talk about Fringe a little bit later on, but we're, we're loving Fringe. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Um, well, Lee, thank you so much for writing in and giving us your thoughts and sharing them here on the show. So I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, we already talked about Avengers. Let's move into the Fringe finale because, you know, Lee kind of brought it up. So it's his fault we're talking about. It. Not really. We talk about it anyways. So let's just give our impressions and let's get into some listener feedback here. Mm-hmm. We had an awesome two-part finale here. Yes, we did. And really, if the show would have ended after this episode, even with whatever ending they gave us, it, it kind of wrapped it up to a degree. I mean, there's some questions. There's some questions, but I mean, as far as – yeah, it did tie up a lot of loose ends. Yeah, mm-hmm. and especially tied into that future episode, right? Mm-hmm. The episode that we get that's now how many years into – 15 years in the future, 30 years, 40 years in the future. Well, it explains the animosity uh, Walter has towards Bill. Right, absolutely. But you know, it did kind of dispel some stuff. We They, they kind of indicated that – Olivia was shot. We found out that she was shot, but she's not killed. Right. Therefore, that bullet that you know Henrietta wears around her neck is mm-hmm. not the death bullet of yeah. Olivia. Mm-hmm. Something else happened to Olivia. Mm. We don't know what that is, but but we do find that out a little bit. And so there's some obvious ties to that. And yeah. Bell's not dead, so that means that Nimoy still has an acting job. Well, you're, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, so he can go into retirement this summer and come out when they start filming the new season of Fringe. That's what he's really saying. It's nice work if you get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I really love Leonard Nimoy, but i got to admit, by the end of this episode, I'm hating Bell. He definitely was the baddie in this. He's uh, turned sinister. You know, you, up till these final two episodes, when he walks out behind that crate at the end of two episodes ago, mm-hmm. and you see him, and, he, and, he, and you know, he's kind of inadvertently responsible for shooting Astrid. You just want to throttle the guy. Well, I was even thinking, are they killing Astrid off? Because I mean, uh, you know. I was surprised he killed Jones off. You know, yeah, but I get, but it definitely moved the story along. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, Olivia and her Jedi mind tricks, right? Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of Jedi references, which, by the way, was another link to that future episode where we saw some uh, Jedi stuff. You know, Walter says these are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> you remember that comment, right? And then, you get, then you know, Peter at the beginning of the last episode says. So, yeah, any more dreaded Jedi mind tricks you have up your sleeve? Right. So, um, but it's very cool. Yeah, I, I was, and, and also, I mean, it, it revealed that, I mean, Walter with part of his brain missing is still a force to be reckoned with. It's still a better Walter. In it's my, a, yeah. Because, I mean, I mean you, have, you have Leonard Nimoy, our bell, the God complex. Whoa. Right. Uh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. If we're created in the image of God, then we can become gods. He even calls himself the I am. Yeah, he de- definitely gets a complex. <laughs> There's very much so. and uh, But he doesn't account for Walter and almost kind of respects it. Mm-hmm. And I love the throwback. Was this season one or season two where he rang the bell and disappeared? That was a great throwback. That was that a good season. throwback, yeah. So, uh, I, I did like it. But Walter shooting uh, Olivia. That, I mean, I was, that was kind of – I mean, he had to do it, but it was, just, it was still very shocking, you know? You know, and they did kind of play and lead up to it. We saw the healing of Cortexafan and what it could do yeah. with, with the ear or whatever they did. And it made sense that he was kind of banking on Olivia could do it. That he, he could bring Olivia back, yeah. Mm-hmm. But boy, 
Talk about a shocking scene. A person that you don't expect to shoot Olivia. And it's him and and and, and Pete's like, haven't you, haven't you done enough? And then and Walter has to slap him in the face a couple times to, you know, get his attention. You know, just like, you know, we could we could bring her back. The Cortex fan will bring her back, you know. Right. So really trusting that mm-hmm. that ability. So some great things in this fringe finale. Anything else stick out to you in the finale? I mean, there's uh, so many good things. Yeah. In it, but- um, no, I th- well, what was in what, what, when they were early in the scene when they're trying to find the boat? I mean, it's you know they they're you know they realize it's not in their universe, right? And mm-hmm. the ability for Peter to see it mm-hmm. kind of interesting. You know, uh, Wayne mentioned to me on Wayne Henderson from the uh, uh, from the uh, French Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast mentioned he goes this didn't really feel like a finale for me, and in one point I agree because. Many times our finales have cliffhangers that we got to wait all summer. Yeah. I don't feel like I need to wait all summer to see an episode of Fringe here because I felt like they wrapped up this episode pretty well. I mean, there's some questions. I wonder if they were thinking this. We we probably – there's a good chance we're not going to get renewed. We should right. probably at least find a way to end, end things as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. I, I'm glad to see September back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And boy, when Olivia stops that bullet, that's awesome. What was also really creepy was when that one woman who she was an operative of, of Bell's, that oh, the British yeah. one, when she gets killed, it's like, well, she's, how long has she been dead? Okay, we got a little bit of time left. They put these screws in her head and they can. Dude, and her eyes were freaking out. That was like wacky. Yeah, that was creepy <laughs> just watching her eyes move in different directions. Right. And, um, but they could. But they could still get information out of her. I mean, there's still well, that, some brain activity. There's nothing. It's kind of like John Scott, right? They've done this before, just not in that same format, mm-hmm. a little bit differently. So I don't know. Well, we had a bunch of people comment on this. Uh, Laurie uh, Savanano, is that how you say her name? Uh, Said, if this had been the series finale, I would have been content. So that's what we've been saying. Mm -hmm. But they got renewed and they added those final few seconds that sets up season five. Well done. Mm -hmm. What few seconds? Oh, it's the the pregnancy or is it after that? Maybe it's the – well, it must be the pregnancy because she – Maybe. Maybe. She answers she's pregnant at the end. Yeah. Lee, who you heard from, said, loved it. Um, it was great with Olivia dying and then Walter saving her in both universe and both universes was killer. Next, Walter remembered uh, Astrid's name. That was a great touch. Right. I like that. It was great when they were sharing licorice and a great moment. This was Walter to Walter episode, but he learns that they're coming. It must be the observers, but it may be wrong. It's a great, again, it's a great episode. Season finale. Looking forward to the next season. Yeah, isn't it the comment, they're coming? That's the end of the episode, remember? Oh, okay. He goes, yeah, they're coming. Hmm. Um, and uh, and so I think that sets us up for an observer of an invasion, right? Um, Jen M said, Jen from New York said, who's, who's faster than the speeding bullet? Olivia Dunham. I was like, oh, man. I was like, she just doesn't have Jedi-like power. She's almost more like Wolverine, a bit with regenerative abilities now. And it still saved her baby, too. All I wonder now is that one episode about the future is a little sneak peek into what could happen next season. Cool. Though, I'd be content with the way how the season ended, too. So that's what I'm hearing. a general theme Mm -hmm. running through it. And Radu says, was that the freakiest resurrection scene ever or what? (laughs) I I mean, the one with the trade." 
Traitor Girl from, from Lost. Two independently moving eyes, opening, twisting, and turning at random. The scene freaked the hell out of me. Me too, Radu. And <laughs> Allie was awesome. I, I was kind of hoping Bell would turn out to be a good guy at the end. November was as slow as ever. Broyles was forgettable. Olivia tough as nails and Peter uh, adorable. Walter's hands sharp and skillful. Astrid is cute. Nina uh, heading to the management. Uh, what a year. Here's hoping for a great Observer War of 2015. Yeah. Absolutely. Sean Toomes said, one of the best moments of the episode both involved Olivia and bullets, her redirecting the bullets and the one from Walter. Both of the moments were OMG moments. Great finale. Can't wait to see how they how they deal with what I think are the observers. And, uh, and Jen M said also, mine was when they were drilling those needles into her head, even though the girl was dead, and then poking the needle through Olivia's head to get the bullet out. Talk about yikes. Yeah. That, the one where they were sticking the actual uh, syringe needle into the girl's head, I had to look away. I can't handle that sort of thing, Miles. Yeah, that was a little hard on the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But these are some great comments. Thanks, guys, for sharing these on the Facebook fan page. And, uh, again, if you want to join the conversation, go to facebook.com backslash sci-fi diner, and you can join our Facebook discussion there. And also, we have forums, and you can always call into the show, 1-888-508-4343. Well, Miles, you are not watching watching Once Upon a Time, right? No, no. I just got caught up. Okay. And series finale, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Some great premise. Again, more of a fantasy than sci-fi. But, you know, Lee Ehrenberg, Robert Carlyle, and uh, some, good names. Uh, some great names that are in this that mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying. And uh, so I really enjoyed the finale. And so I'm caught up and I'm I'm with you guys. These guys that are fans of Once Upon a Time, I'm right there. I understand what it's about. Sam Carter said, I would never guess he would wake everyone up this season. Looks like some purple rain and gold is big bad. Hmm. Um, so the, the idea in our world, there's no magic. Mm-hmm. And in the fairy tale world, there is. And mm-hmm. they've kind of brought everyone from the fairy tale world here. But they were just released magic. Mm-hmm. And that's the way the episode ends. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Cliff Griffin said, loved it. Can't wait till next season. Jen M said, awesome. But I kept thinking they're supposed to have a season two. Can you imagine if they are all supposed to have some kind of magic in the real reality? They are definitely going to need it if Regina is going to have magic back. And what happens with Emma? Will she get to have a happily ever after reunion with her parents? Everything is about everything about it is awesome. I guess we'll have to wait and see next season. Dang it. We have to wait that long. Hmm. So it was a real good cliffhanger. Uh, Jason Taylor said, I was thinking Gold was trying to get his son back. They made it seem like that was his motive for creating the curse in the first place. Maybe bringing back magic has something to do with that. Regina certainly has a sinister grin on her face seeing the purple cloud roll through town. Interesting that they're still stuck in Storybrooke after the curse was broken. It wasn't going to be that easy. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read what Lee says? Lee says, it was a great ending, and I was all su- surprised that the curse was broken this season. And now with magic in the world, no one can tell what's going to happen. And how about the ending with Regina smiling evilly, really? Caped it off. One other thing Gold must have is some kind of plan by releasing the magic or to the world. Maybe it has to do with uh, getting back at Regina. Yeah. Jason said this, that given the state of Henry was in, I waved off the fact that she, that she all suddenly started believing. Gold get get his magic back, but so does Regina, and I'm assuming that Emma will have some as well. I like the blue the blue fairy telling Regina she might want to find a place to hide. Then when Gold and Regina were talking about the friend in the basement, I thought it was Regina's mother. Lee says, I'm not sure about Emma having magic, as, as both of their parents did not have it in either world. And I agree that they're part where the blue fairy tells Regina to get 
get out there was real fear in her eyes. Loved it. But 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 the, why the actress that plays a Regina was was great finds it for the show. She can turn on the evil and turn around and turn it off just as e- easily. Wonderful actress. Yeah, very true. So some great thoughts on Once Upon a Time and. Miles, I don't know if you would enjoy it. It's not pure science fiction. You tend to not gravitate towards fantasy. Not usually, no. But Game of Thrones is kind of a different thing for you. I mean, that's fantasy based. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I it, it, it is, but it's also. I guess you argue that Walking Dead's really kind of that way, though. Too. There's nothing real sci-fi about Walking Dead. No, not really. I mean, I guess what Game of Thrones. I mean, was. I, there, there was no magic or mystical mysticism in it. It was all. It was kind of character-driven people in this in this world, right? And so, um, but I, I, a lot of uh, uh, interesting heavy hitters uh, in that show that I recognized as far as uh, people in right. it. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, talk about Big Bang Theory. We had the season finale of Big Bang Theory, right? Oh yeah. Was, so tell me about what's going on. I'm not watching this show, but you obviously are. And a lot of our listeners are. Tell us about it. Well, they. they uh, they did launch Wallowitz into space. Um, uh, his character um, either built or designed a telescope, so he was going with a, with a, a Russian rocket with an American astronaut and a Russian astronaut. And um, it's also he got married uh, to uh, uh, Bernadette. So, okay. um, but it was it kind of like it was one of those. It starts at the end of the episode and works your way, <coughs> like a, a few days. Earlier, a few or a few hours earlier, that sort of thing, and so it just goes back to. Um, How do you feel about those types of episodes? I think they've done it too much, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm kind of whenever I see that twenty hours earlier. Yeah, that, I'm like, uh, okay, you just gave me something to the ending because you think I'm not going to stay with you if you showed me the earlier stuff. And yeah, it's been overdone. My yeah, opinion. a little bit, a little bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of iffy whether whether. Um, uh, Howard and, and Bernadette were going to get married or not, and um, uh, the the last scene is very interesting. It's um, well, Leonard Leonard and Penny have resumed their relationship, but no resolution yet. No resolution. Um, That's what Jamie's saying. Jamie Sanchez mm-hmm. and Facebook is saying no resolution, but like the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, Len, uh, well, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Sheldon and um, uh, Amy have been in a, in a very um, different kind of relationship, but I mean, she wants something more from him, and he's begrudgingly, you know, slowly, you know, it's more—it's more than just a friendship sort of thing. He—he—he he, he said before they have a relationship of the mind, and you know, at first she was fine with that, but now she she, she wants she, a little bit more. She wants a little bit more, yeah. And so, but at the end of the scene, they're watching the new—the watching the launch on TV, and just you know. He ends up holding her hand because I mean, they're like, you know, our friend is going up in space. I mean, so it was a very interesting ending, and it's we got to wait a while for it to come back. Uh, yeah. But um, um, no, the last last couple episodes were really good. Yeah, Jen M said I thought it was very cute. I would have liked, I would, I would have been like Penny, or I would have believed he really was going. And Kathy Gona said I loved them all, reaching for the hands of those closest to them as a friend was on a dangerous flight. We forget how complicated space flights can be. I do hope the leaking fuel wasn't a potent of bad things for next season. Yeah, that, that was mentioned in the episode. So, very cool. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of nice moments. Jen M saying it's a nice moment. And and, uh, and uh, Lee said this. Lee Kemp said, I just watched it. was great and funny. It was great and funny looking forward to see what kind of trouble Howard gets into in the space station. 
I also so like the touching moment at the end when they're all holding hands. Great finale moment to this season. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think if you and Chris, you and Chris would probably enjoy it. I mean, um, I don't know. It, it's only a half-hour show. I know. And so, yeah. so much, so much sci-fi references. I mean, I, I look. I'm not doubting you. Yeah. Either. So maybe, maybe, maybe someday. Okay. You can twist my arm into it. Well, this is just some wrap-up thoughts on touching Alcatraz. We are saying goodbye to Alcatraz. Yeah, sad to say we are. Yeah, so uh, which you are not happy about. Uh, you and I both enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought it had potential, and unfortunately all we're going to get is one season of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A person of interest, was that renewed? Do you know? I haven't heard about person of yeah, interest. Yeah, but that's one I hope is renewed. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's one I haven't watched. The, I only watched the first couple episodes, but I want to see the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... But you obviously were peeved about it. What did you like about Alcatraz? What kept, what kept you bringing you back to Alcatraz? We already kind of talked about how touch we aren't real thrilled about, even though it got renewed. I liked Alcatraz um, exploring. There was a mystery about how these inmates from the past got to our present. But I also, I mean, some people didn't like this, but some people I did. I liked when they went back to the 1960 and explored life for that prisoner. Oh, yeah. I, I mean... And connected it to the present. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, I liked uh, what, Jorge Garcia. I liked his character. Oh, yeah. Uh, his, you know, being a comic book store owner, but also a, you know... Intelligent nerd. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I liked his character. So... And the uh, lady wasn't bad. She was good, too. Yeah. Uh, so, um... um and, and, and what's Sam... Um, what's his last name? The guy Neil. from Jurassic Park, Neil. Yeah. I know people didn't like his character. He was a bit of an a-hole, but to me, that was he part was of his... He was supposed to be. That was, that, that was part of his charm. I mean, yeah. uh, so I'm... Um, I really wanted to see what was going to happen, so I was bummed. Yeah, well, Radu agrees with us. You know, he liked the show, so it was pretty interesting. He goes, bad fox. Bad fox. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but at least they renewed Fringe. We'll give him some credit. But. Right. Mike Crate said, not surprised really Alcatraz nearly, not, never really got going. Mike Crate, of course, from the gate cast. Mm-hmm. Except for Sam. Poorly cast except for Sam Neal. Finder wasn't much of a cop show, even with the Bones angle. But Touch, like Heroes, has found its market, despite it not being totally good writing or storytelling. Mm-hmm. So Tim Kring with another uh, mediocre show. I don't know. Jemen said, "Yeah, wasn't crazy about Alcatraz. Would have liked would have liked Finder, but that got lost in the fray. It's possible just too much to watch. Nah, just bad scheduling, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, we also had some news on Sanctuary being on a long hiatus, huh? Yeah, I, I found an article. Um, I actually I, I saw a Twitter uh, from um, uh, uh, um, the guy who plays." Uh, Oh, shoot, what's his name? Chris uh, Robbins? Y- yeah. Okay. Uh, Ryan Robbins. Um, Sorry. They're talking about a, a – they did a commentary track, and so I, I tweeted back. I said, um, any news on a fifth season? And, and uh, he, I got a tweet from him just saying uh, – he put this article that was on, on the Gate World. And the it's – the show is the show is a long hiatus. It's not chiseled in stone whether the show is going to go away or not, but – it's not looking good. Um, they couldn't get the um, uh, man, man's having couldn't get the funding to rent the studio that she needed because they, they they were like, "Well, is the show coming back?" And she says, "I, I don't have word for it." She says, "Well, we can't throw money at something we're not sure." Okay. And so it's 
So it, it's it's really yeah. it's really up in the air right now. And uh, you know, at, at least they did kind of wrap up the show. They gave us an ending to it. Yeah, yeah. May not be the favorite ending, but gives an ending. Radu's not happy about it, but he says, "Look, please bring back the awesome Stargate franchise instead of Sanctuary." Thank you very much, Sci-Fi. <laughs> so, here, here, Radu. Yeah, yeah, but and and I like both. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Chelsea said, "Stupid. They don't know us fans. Make make uh make your own act nor." Network, obviously, execs can't think. If we all pitched in even just a bit to make a true sci-fi fantasy channel, our shows wouldn't be canceled or put on hold. Now I'm angry. Stupid execs need to get out here, need to get their head out of their butt. So, <laughs> Chelsea, the problem... How do you really feel, Chelsea? Yeah, you're just not showing an opinion here. Yeah. Oh, you know, we realize that you have some pent-up emotions. So, you know, mm-hmm. I just brought Miles or Shrink in, and so he's happy to kind of help you through this. Yes, Chelsea, just... Go ahead. Yeah, breathe, Let, breathe, 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 so. but but don't hold back. Tell us so, how you so, really feel. So the article uh, made you less optimistic. I'm afraid it did. I, I just you know I, all I saw was long hiatus, but I read it again and just like the particulars about um, about the funding and and the consequence of not getting the funding was they couldn't rent the studio and yeah. It, so um, yeah, it was. I don't. I, I you know. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just wait and see. So you're suggesting a spinoff, fifty years in the future? Yeah, I, I we talked about Stargate, and I thought you know I don't, that that might be a way to go. I don't know if they yeah. will go back to present. I know. You really can't bring any of the original cast. Eh? A lot Ra- of them. I know. Radu said, "Hey, let's make a dream team. You know, combine <laughs> all the Stargates together and uh, why play it safe? Go for it. Tap the fans of all the series on their shoulders with look what I got for you, suckers." <laughs> so definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did Kathy have to say? Uh, Kathy says, too bad. I like Sanctuary. I was very satisfied with the open-ended finale, though. It finished the storyline, but could have been expanded to fit another year. Yeah. And, and Kathy's right. I mean, uh, Amanda Tapping had ideas for another season, I'm sure. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, Chelsea says it right. The fact that Stargate is off the air makes me sad. It was an iconic show I basically grew up with. I may never watch it from the beginning, but it's been there, and I've had friends and family watch it. I agree Sanctuary was... Open ended, and it could be that it ended quite nicely, or could go on. I wish the network would keep playing with us and keep the good stuff on. Yeah. I, I'm with you there, and you know, talk about 16 years. I believe the uh, Stargate franchise, you know, spanned, and you know, that's a that's a good chunk of our life that we dedicate to that show. You know, I didn't watch Stargate when it was on, uh, but last but year, you watched it all in about two months. Pretty much, <laughs> and, and Chris Judge had to tell me to slow down. Yeah, yes, yes. But I, I've watched it. I, I get it, and uh, I would love to see Stargate in some form come back to the small screen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that about wraps it up. Anything else we need to talk about tonight? Oh, I think we talked about it. We talked about it. Definitely do. Thank you guys so much for joining us. If you want to comment about any of the shows that you're watching, the movies, Avengers, you name it, the movies that you're going to be watching. Let us know. Call us at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three, or tap our shoulder on Twitter at Sci Fi Diner, or email us at Sci Fi Diner Podcast at gmail dot com. And uh, I believe that's about it. It's time to shut down the diner and uh, check out. All right. Well, till next time. Good night and good luck. We will see. You.